Washed Up Emo sponsors New Belgium Brewing are celebrating their 30th anniversary as a company. To celebrate, they're releasing Wild Ride Amber IPA, a happy tribute to their iconic fat tire. Even better, New Belgium Brewing are giving away bikes and gear all year. Find out more information by visiting newbelgium.com. Do you ever wonder if your favorite band is emo? Tired of being in the same conversation with friends? Not knowing if you're listening to post-hardcore, screamo, emo revival, emo emo violence, even ska. We're We're here here to to help. help. The Emo Council is here staffed and ready for any question you may have. Hey, Emo Council, just wondering if Green Day was considered an emo band. Thanks. Green Day is not an emo band. Okay. From the creators of Washed Up Emo, isthisbandemo.com offers the definitive answer to the only important question of your day. Hey, is this been emo? Hello, and welcome to episode 135 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. Today, we welcome Chris Popadak from Hawthorne Heights. Chris has been drumming in the band as a touring and session member since 2014 and joined fully last year. We connect because we've definitely used Hawthorne Heights as an example of when emo goes wrong. And Chris wanted to set the story straight. When we spoke over email, he mentioned that he was into a bunch of the older stuff. He's a little bit older like us. And the band knew they weren't emo. And to let me know, they're still a band. I learned that they haven't stopped being a band, releasing a bunch of music independently since the emo boom in the mid-2000s. And their latest is on Pure Noise Records. Chris, or Poppy as many call him, was a great guest and spoke honestly about being a musician with a band that had one big song and how far that can take you and what doors it can actually open. He is living the dream. Coincidentally, he's from Ohio. If you'd like to support the podcast and Defending Emo, head on over to the Patreon page, patreon.com slash washedupemo. Thank you to all supporters. This is episode 135 of the Washed Up Emo podcast with Chris Popadak. spent my last couple years of high school near Cincinnati and then as soon as I graduated high school I moved to Cincinnati and spent like a good majority of the 90s down there and then uh, you know a lot of traveling I just kind of took off and saw the country on my own and then came back to Ohio and I've been there since 99. And what 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 shows were you going to like what kind of stuff were you into? Um like the ones, the memorable ones, uh, Jawbox, Seaweed, like I saw all of like the cool like indie bands, like um, Poster Children, uh, Sebado, like I saw Beck played. I mean, this is like, it's a little tiny, it was a club that had a laundromat and a bar in it. Um, super famous though. Uh, Archers of Loaf, like that sort of like kind of the, um, the Matador like post hardcore scene. Um, there was a band called Brainiac that was from our area that would play there all the time. Shows like that. Um, and and that was the mid to mid nineties, correct? 
Yeah, like 93 to 96, 97, something like that is when I, well, I probably started going there like 92 through like 96, 97, you know, just to see shows. And I basically lived in that venue. I was there every night if I could. Yeah, it was cool. And then there was a, there was a, a super good punk scene happening there that I was playing in as well like we you know house shows and just a lot of diy stuff there was uh there's probably three venues on that little strip that always did punk rock shows and then there was definitely hardcore there but i wasn't really a part of that scene at that time but you were yeah, the so, indie rock kid yeah indie rock and punk rock i had a lot of hardcore friends and i listened to hardcore but i wasn't going to like I was going to the local hardcore shows, but not shows that were coming through. I, okay, so maybe it's more of we didn't really look at it as so segregated scene-wise. It was all just punk to us, you know. Like I'm sure there were a ton of hardcore bands that I played with or saw, but it was all just punk to me at that time. You know, kind of everything at that in that time of my life was just punk rock. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was like those shows where it could have been a hardcore band, then a punk band, and then a singer-songwriter. Like, it was kind of all over the place. Do you remember hearing Emo, the word, for the first time? Um, yeah, but I don't know where, but my association always goes to Embrace. And I don't know if that came later in my life, but like... When I think of that, that's the first band that always pops in my head for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, or I mean, yeah, I guess like in the Fugazi area or Fugazi Fugazi era, it might have been brought up, and then like getting like, oh, these bands were before, so that's where it like that must be the start kind of thing. But specifically no it just kind of was one of those things that became a word that you heard and then the sort of the screamo stuff when did you did you get into that stuff later what what time did you sort of because again there's the there's differences in that that word too yeah okay so we played my band played in columbus ohio at this like punk rock collective house Mm -hmm. that was pretty famous for a while and they had a distro set up in like one of the rooms that had a show and I was like, Oh, you know, going to go through these records. And I found, and I didn't even know anything about it. I just loved the cover. It was the current, this is four, seven inch. Mm -hmm. And I got that. And from there it was like, Oh, Indian summer. So like for me, that was my introduction to like what I would consider like the screamo era, you know, of music. And that would have been, that would have probably been like 95. So I kind of really went down that rabbit hole of bands like that. But Current was from Michigan, so they were super close to us. Like that was a band that I could go see. And, uh, and, and yeah, that, so that was where I really got into that sort of style of music. Why? Why did it, why did it connect? Um, like I said, the first thing was the cover. Is that chipboard cover with the embossed you know, like logo on it. Um, like I think all music is an emo- is emotional or at least all music has the potential to be emotional. But when I first, like I first put that record on, uh, just like how heavy it was, but 
like, I mean, I mean, it's, it was everything. I just laid out. It was so raw, so heavy and so beautiful at the same time. Like I was like this and that is one of my five favorite bands. Like I have that logo tattooed on me and I've had that on me for years. Like that band impacted me very deeply. Uh, just everything about it. it was, it was something I hadn't heard yet. It was like, that was the first band that was playing that style of music, I guess that I'd heard. So, you know, the first thing that you hear of a style kind of has a special place in your heart always. And for me, current was in the band. And what, what, just what about sort of like, I felt that way too. When I first heard it, there were a bunch of bands that, um, that were sort of in that world and it was hard to explain to people. It was hard to explain what it was because it was, yes, it was the release. Yes, it was the artwork, but then live, it was just a, it was another level to me than going to see a hardcore band. Yeah. Like, um, you know, specifically, I never got to see current, uh, they, you know, it's pre-internet. So I was traveling a lot. I just didn't have a computer. So if I, if there was stuff on the internet, I didn't know about it. And then like they broke up, but the, you know, those bands that I got to see, like Elliot was like the band that I remember going to see. And I'm like, Oh my God, like I know these songs. There's, I mean, you know, when you're crying at a show for whatever reason, it is just overcome with emotion. Like, I'm like, oh, no band's ever really done this to me, and I love it today because there, there are a few bands that are playing now that, like, when I go see them play, like, especially if I'm with my son, I will have like a complete, you know, wonderful breakdown listening to a certain song because, like, I have this interaction with my son now where he loves these bands. So, you know, now it has a different, um, like there's the reason why I get so excited about seeing a band live now is different from then. But back then, um, you know, there's just something that you can't explain, but when you see a band and they are, it's raw and they're right there, you know, when you go from like, like my first show was in an arena and then I'm seeing like Elliot play in this coffee shop and I'm standing right in front of the guys, you know, that's as a kid, that's, you know, quite eye opening. Do you, do you think that barrier of kids, you know, learning that and then when a genre gets popular, that some of that's lost and you sort of forget that, I don't know, maybe the 101 course. And I'm not saying you have to act that way to show, but it's sort of like you see what's happening, you understand like the DIY part of it, or this is how this works, or I have this connection. And at some point, you know, emo and, and that world and screamo took another term and, t- and took another uh, way that people perceived it. Do you think that, I mean, being in a city like Cincinnati, that's great to have those three venues right there and to have those smaller communities. And sometimes a kid might not, they're only going to have the giant city an hour away and that's all they can see, um, especially without the internet (laughs) to be able to have that. Do you think that was somehow lost a little bit when the term went pop and there were different people sort of associated with it? Yeah. I mean, because for those kids that came in 
to it once it was once it was just different. You know, it, the shows were bigger. The I mean, you know, that whole thing exploded and for good or you know, good or bad. But they, a lot of those kids never got to see the bands in a way that they never like got to see their friends' bands play in a basement or something like that. You know, they started going to shows and it was at a, a venue that holds 500 to a thousand kids with a barricade and, and lights and, you know, the production and everything like that might have been their first experience. So for those kids, it's just a different perception of how a show could be. Um, whereas I feel fortunate that I, you know, I did get to see bands play on floors and basements or, you know, whatever space it was in, you saw the people putting up flyers, you saw the bands setting up their stuff. Like it's just a completely different um, circumstance that you're viewing the show. Uh, like now, you I mean, know, you sort of know everything going in. I loved the unknown. I loved not knowing the band, what they sounded like, what their records looked like, what their t-shirts looked like. Uh, and, and, and I probably would have been just as stoked to know that I knew everything walking in uh, to a show. If we had the internet back then and we were able to search all these things, but to not have that, I just, I loved that feeling because it was a sense of discovery, a sense of you're in on something uh, oh. a little bit easier. Oh yeah. Like to this day, well, I like the idea of coming into it without like I don't want to know what a band's merch looks like when I walk into a show. I, I, want to, I want to experience that when I walk in. Like, I don't want to know what their set list is going to be. And that stuff is so easy to find out now. But when you would go to a show, you would just see this flyer, because back then you actually saw flyers, and you're like, oh, okay, this band's playing. Who are the other bands? I have no idea. But it says 7 o'clock, so we're going at 7. And you really took in the entire show. Whereas now I feel like it depends on the tour, it depends on the show and the person, but I feel like they're there for one band potentially. And that's really all they're willing to check out. Now that's being very general, but, um, I do like the, I do like the unknown still. I like going to a show and I'm like, Oh, I don't know who this band is, but I'm a musician and I love music, so I'm going to go watch all the bands. Yeah, I think I think there's a bunch of kids that'll go and just they're excited about it, but they're going to know a little bit more. They might already know the set list or they know all the bands or maybe they don't. Maybe someone's completely oblivious. I also left. I remember if a band played the first five minutes and I was like, this is actually, this oh, this this local band is god-awful. I'm going to go outside. <laughs> you like walk oh. outside or you find yeah. maybe those venues that wouldn't let you go in and out and you'd find the one spot. But it was, at least you got the, you gave them five minutes or you gave them one song. <laughs> yeah, and, and I still think that exists. I yeah. do think people are, I don't know. There's this, you know, I'm seeing it from a different level because I'm playing shows every night and I'm seeing kids come in and they don't know who the opening bands are. Um, but I also see my son and like his group of friends and they're as excited as I was. And I'm sure as you were when they were younger, they might know a lot more because like 
they're like, okay, this band's on the show. I'm going to research this band. I'm going to check this band out. Yeah, that one's sick. That one's not. And they're like already kind of deciding on which bands they want to watch before they're giving them a chance. But um, I do feel like a lot of kids are still, if they're going to go to a show, as long if they're kids, if they're adults and they're kind of like just going for nostalgia purposes, you know, I think that they're a little bit like, okay, I'm just waiting for the headliner. But the younger kids that are like, this is like my first year going to shows, there's still excitement there. And that's really cool to see. I think if we had the internet, I mean, I did a little bit, but it wasn't at the extent of the search. And I remember, I remember, you know, it just wasn't the same message boards. And I was very, very different in college. And then high school is even, you know, crazier. But think if we had that, we, I would be, I would be, learning every possible thing about them. And, um, so I, I kind of, I wish I had that. Um, and it's inter- interesting now to, I'm sort of trying not to, <laughs> if I'm going to a show, I'll maybe, I'll maybe I'll like, all right, I'm not going to watch them live. I'm just going to learn about their names or something or find out what their one record is on that one label. Um, I sort of like, it's kind of like, you don't want spoilers for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I do. I do kind of agree with that. When I first like 99 is when I was like, okay, there's a computer in our house. I'm going to get online. Like, and then once I realized like, oh, you can search for bands on here. It blew my mind. Cause I was like every band that I had always wanted to check out, I'm like I can find out when they're playing. Like that was the one thing that when I see like a flyer for like, I don't know, you know, name a band that, you know, that broke up once you found like, oh my God, I could have saw that band play because they played two hours from my house and I just didn't know because we didn't have, you know, the the broad internet as, as we have now. Yeah, or so, you had to go to the record store. You had to be in that town or be on the right, you know, be with the right friends to be able to find out about it. And I think that, I still think that's needed that that person to to uh, there's always that guy in in the scene or the girl in the scene that knows what's going on uh can help and i think even with all the internet (laughs) that we can handle you still need those people i think it's when yeah on that personal level your friends are going to be the ones who turn you on to to a new band like just even if you get to somebody's car and they like, you know, I think it's kind of our duty. It's like, all right, I'm going to show this person something new today and hopefully they'll do the same for me. And that, that still very much exists. It's very cool. And it's very important. Um, like I said, like I'm living in so many ways, like because I'm still involved in this, I'm, I do it too, but I watch my son and I'm like, I see him and, you know, like showing his friends new bands or something like that. So I'm seeing like what a teenage kid is doing that loves music. And and there's still a lot of that. Like when somebody comes to the house, like he'll put on a record that he really loves and like hoping to like turn them onto it. So yeah, that, that personal contact and personal still there. It's so it's so relevant, and I think it's so much more important. I mean, you can stream Spotify all day long and find like related artists and go deep, and like you can find thirty new bands that you will really like. But I think it's the one that your friend shows you, like, "Oh, this is really cool." 
and that you're sitting with them. You're it's you're true. connecting to it together. Even if you are listening to it on Spotify, you're watching each other, and they're going like, "Wait, wait, wait! This one part, this one part." <laughs> and I think you know that. I think you, uh, you know, saying that you know, being a little bit older, and then having your kid and seeing him experience music. But then I think the other one that we can bring up too is, you know, you being in a band like Hawthorne Heights that had a moment a long time ago and is still around and still touring, still putting out music consistently and to see, you know, the audiences and what are they, what's the, what is the breakdown in the, well, there's always breakdowns, but what is the, (laughs) the audience breakdown of, you know, what, are people just coming for uh, – I mean, what's the percentage of people are just coming for the song, people are coming for the album, or people are coming for the band? Uh, so I would say on this tour specifically, it's probably – let's say half of the people are there for three songs. Um, and, and it's fine. And we're going to play those three thousand percent, that's fine. Yeah. Um, And and we always say like, because of those songs, we get to play music 15 years later Mm -hmm. and we're still putting out new music, but it's really cool when it's happened. I probably get one every other day where a parent brings their kid. It's their first show and they love our band. Like, uh, an older sibling or the parent turned them onto the band and it's like their first show. And I'm like, this is cool. And because we're doing a small club tour, like they're watching us like, Oh, you're the drummer and you're selling merch. And I'm like, yeah. And we're setting up our gear and you know, we're breaking it down. Like they're getting to see like a DIY show. Uh, and you know, and the, and the people that have been coming or like, you know, listen to us in high school and now they're, you know, out of college, maybe have families, you know, they're in their mid twenties. They're also still like, wait, you guys are doing your own stuff. Like, yeah, but the demographic is cool. Like there's so many young kids that are just like really like bright eyed and excited about music. And then, you know, then there's a percentage of them that are, they are wanting to hear the two or three songs that like define their youth. And, I get it. Like the descendants are playing in a few days at the venue we played last night. And I'm like, Oh, I really want to go to that. Not for one song, but for like, you know, 70 songs, but still (laughs) I understand the, the connection with like something from your, from your youth that like, like all the bands that I loved, like, yeah, I can't wait to hear that one song. It might be the popular song or it might be the song that I most connected with, but I want to hear that song live um it's it's cool though i mean i think i think the band came at an interesting time to and you sort of strike gold a little bit and you can i I was thinking about this for uh i don't know if you're a sports fan but there's a baseball kind of analogy like if you're two out of ten uh you can be a baseball player like if you hit two times out of ten like you're (laughs) you can be a baseball player and people will pay you and if you have one amazing season people will still ban or uh, not bans uh, teams will pay you thinking you will have that again and i think that's as old as time for music but it was interesting that period that all these punk diy bands 
and a ton of them got really big and got an outlet like Fuse, MTV2, Top 40 Radio. Uh, and then to stay together, which is fascinating in itself be- because of all the relationships between members and to keep it going, that's almost a feat in itself. So I think, have you guys kind of been like, wow, we hit lightning in a bottle, we got those songs, and now we can still be a band. And it's almost like, it's crazy, you need that now. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I wonder, like I thought about this today, like just driving and listening to music, like all these bands, I'm like, oh, that song's so good, like what happened to that band? Like, why is that band not around? And I wonder if it's because they never had the quote unquote hit to like really keep them in the limelight. Like I honestly think that if we played Ohio 10 times at some of these shows, kids would be excited. Like they would be like, that was worth the price of admission. Um, so like maybe a song or an album like carries your band. And I mean, I guess a lot of those bands from that time period, they, they might have made more records than just that one, but there's always going to be that one or two that really like keeps them. It keeps their name relevant, I guess. Like to this day, if I walk into a bank, which we've done like making deposits and they'll be like, what band are you in? And then we'll say like, that's really familiar. Then they Google it and they're like, I know your band. Like, okay. Yeah. Because for a while it was a household name, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I bought, you know, it was my friend's band at the time, but like when they did one of the reissues, I remember going to a department store and I was like, okay, it's midnight. Hey, do you have this record? They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, my friends put out a record. They're from here. I want to buy their CD today. And like, oh yeah, we actually do have that in. So I'm like, you know, it was a department store and, uh, you know, it's like one of those things when like random housewives and like, you know, people that are not connected with music the way that. You know, they're not immersed in music. It's just like an afterthought for them. When they buy a record, it's like, okay, this is really big. So, you know, it's spread past the music scene. And I think that's a, kind of allowed us to keep going. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of, like, everyone's got an example that's listening to the podcast. You know, the, the one that, I, you know, the, if, they, if it wasn't for the middle with Jimmy Eat World, I don't know if they'd still be touring. And we wouldn't have gotten the last record or two other records. And maybe they would have gone on to something else. So it, it sort of extended it for people that maybe had never seen them. And they're going to go see them this summer for the first time. And sure. I know that there's always – and you know, we kind of broke that down of like this is the many people. And everybody's got their own story. And you're right. They've got their one song or those moments. And that's how a band continues. I think what's specific about – the emo one and especially that era is that the word you know was definitely taken and put on a lot of different bands that maybe were pop punk or maybe they were punk and it just got it because it was popular the word was just sort of thrown on a whole group of bands that happened to be in alt press i i do agree and kind of referencing what i said earlier like yeah, a lot of those bands from that era were not emo bands. But just like I said, when I would go to shows in the 90s, I just kind of classified all those bands as punk bands. And a lot of those bands were not punk at all. But to me, it was like, okay, this is a this is a, a way for me to like just simplify it for somebody else who maybe doesn't understand like, oh, it's a punk band. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. 
Um, and if you say that now, it's still like, it's still so broad, but like it has like, how do you really define what that is? So maybe that's why the emo thing was like, okay, this, this band, we can just throw that on there and it will propel them and it'll keep them like under this umbrella that's really big, but the average consumer is not going to understand how like intricate it really is. Do you feel like that was lost a little bit? The the whole scene, the whole, like, what do you mean in the sense of the, the word, word and the meaning? Yeah. Um, I, I do think, I do think it's bigger than the scene that I would consider the emo scene, but I do feel like it became, just a, a word that lost all meaning, just like, uh, you know, a lot of punk bands, it, that kind of like lost its like impact. Like when I was young, a punk band was, you kind of knew what you were getting into. You had like circle jerks and black flag and the descendants and those were punk bands and it was kind of like an anti-establishment or whatever. And in the emo scene, you know, that was where you had all these musicians who maybe came from hardcore and started playing music that just was more open and honest and, and, you know, wearing their heart on the sleeve. But then when you have it go so wide and so big, like, yeah, there's a disconnect. Like it doesn't really, it doesn't fit the music. So it, it's like, it's two separate things. It's just a word to use to maybe sell something as opposed to a word to describe what it, you know, what the feeling that you should be getting from it is. But I think that as, as one of the, you know, as an elder, I guess, in the music scene, I feel like that not, it's not response. It's not my responsibility, but I, but anytime like a kid comes up and like, like I always wear like the shirts of the bands I love. And for me, that's my way to be like, Hey, if you like what we're doing, like, you know, wear the shirt of the band that you want, like somebody to check out, like, or wear the shirt of the band of your, you know, your friends that you're trying to like hype up. But I always do that with like, I guess it's conscience. You know, I'm very aware that I'm doing it, but I'm like, I want kids to understand that there's, they can love our band, but there's so many other bands that came before us or that are currently out right now that are doing amazing things. So I do think that the younger kids that are excited about like heavy music or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be that they're starting to go backwards and find, uh, you know, the roots of things. And I don't care how long it takes them. I just want them to realize that there is music out there that influenced all of us. And hopefully they find it one day. I think that you, having that shirt and that kid coming up to you and asking you about it. And I think those are the people I want to connect with and, and do it. It isn't the person that's just there to kind of be seen and hear one song and go home. Sure. And that go, that's the, maybe that's our version of, you know, a teenager showing his friend a band. Like this is our way. Like, okay, we're at work, we're doing our thing. We're out like in public and this is how I'm going to turn somebody onto a new band. Uh, so it's just, it, it's, I feel like that's the way we keep this thing going. Um, yeah. Just, by, but I love the idea that 
you have such control when you're when you're doing a DJ set and you can you really can like slip something in and be like, all right, here, who's going to get this? Like, that's super cool. Yeah. That's the best part when someone comes up and they're about to request a song and I put the next song on and they come up and go, I was about to request that. (laughs) And I was like, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, it's not, it's, it's just you, you're connecting with people that way. And the, and I think those are the, those are the moments that, you're learning and like i i mean i've there's people that are younger than me that know way more about emo than i ever will and i'm just using the outlet to help tell the stories and i think that dj nights that kind of same way and you're doing that on tour um with that audience and do you feel have you guys talked in the band about sort of the the place of the band within the scene because i think you know for definitely for a minute you know before this sort of you know uh, resurgence of this is the nostalgia, which I hate that word anyway. I just I was always listening to it. I never I never went to go listen to EDM and come back. Um, but that sort of during those like maybe not even lean years, but sort of like the people were not as aware of that that mid two thousands era, kind of post two thousand nine. No, I don't. Are you asking like where our place in that was? Just more of like there was people people forgot about it. You know, oh. it was sort of it was kind of anything that was any resemblance to that era was scoffed at and like well that was, you know, that was this thing and that's only this look and uh, you know, alt press, you know, how many swoop haircuts could you count? You know, it just got so homogenized and then I think it sort of went it went it went away for a minute it and then it away. slowly had those 10 year anniversaries x y and z like those kind of moments where those ever brought up of like this wow you know no one's paying attention or we still feel that you know there's a group of kids that are into this so i hear that a lot like kids will come up and say like oh i didn't know you were still a band or you know i listened to you in high school or listened to that style of music like you know, not just us, but like that genre, that era. And then they get a little bit older and like, you know, maybe their musical priorities just change. Mm-hmm. And then they they either move away or they stay, you know, they get busy with school, whatever it is in their life. And then they come back and they like, oh, I started listening to like the scene again. And I realized like how much I really liked it. And so when those kids come back, they're coming back because they're trying to like, you know, they remember how much fun they had, but I also feel like they're open to like music again. But there's that period of time where that's like, for a lot of people, like, yeah, I'm done with that. Like, I mean, even us as a band, you know, our image changed. You know, like when I look back, like when we go to All Press now, which we still do, we still go up there and do stuff with them, and we'll see like the old covers on the wall and stuff. And it's just like you can look at all the bands that are still around today that are like we're on the covers or whatever and we don't none of us look like that anymore now we look like you know we kind of we've always dressed the same to some degree but there was a lot of there was a lot of like wardrobe and makeup stuff and like you know stylists involved in that era because it was on fuse and mtv so you know they just ran with something and everybody kind of fell in line as far as like the outfit goes and now, 
they're still an outfit, but it's not the same anymore. I feel like I feel like when we walk into a room, we really look like we can fit in in a grocery store and in the show, and it's all the same. <laughs> but I get that. I just it's interesting too. The you talk about that, you know, you'd write. They did. They had their first job. They went to school. You know, they got really busy. And then when maybe it settled down for a minute again, or there's a lull before they get married and have kids, <laughs> they're you know back for a minute. And yeah. uh, I think as a band, for you guys to still be around and have, uh, you know, releases, consistent releases, you know, consistent touring, um, I think you know you survived. Yeah, and and I mean, and now you know there is. You know, from 2013 until this year, there was a gap where we were doing all of our releases on our own. So a lot of people, you know, it was only reaching our fans. It wasn't really, we didn't have like a PR team. We were just doing it. We were pressing the CDs and vinyl on our own and running our web store, you know, whatever, whatever it was. If we were like selling something, it was, it was all us. And we were touring, you know, in a very, we're still touring in a very DIY way, but I feel like a lot of people, they had the lull in like what they were listening to at the same time that we were not at the forefront in a sort of a, in a PR or like advertising kind of way. Like people were just kind of like, oh, that band must be, they must have broken up because the, I don't really hear about them anymore. Whereas, you know, and, but now with pure noise behind us, it's like, there's like, oh my gosh, you have a new record out and people are really excited about it again because they're, they're either finding out, uh, finding out about the band for the first time or they're like, Oh, you have a new record and it's really good. Like, like it sounds like a mix of old and I guess new. Um, so it's super cool because where that lull came in, we now have something to bring them back to music again with a new album. Mm hmm. But and before we get to the new album, I thought it would be funny for the listeners to to find out how you and I met, which I thought kind of plays into the sort of the last like maybe misconception about Hawthorne Heights. You know, if I'm if I I think you guys heard maybe an episode or you did where I would you know mention you guys and sort of what what was that what was that or what some what are some misconceptions and what what things you know i thought it was amazing that you emailed because i love that because it was i love talking about this era because it fascinates me because i was working in it and i was a part of it but also it you know it blew my mind that you know my dad knew what these bands were (laughs) yeah uh it happened twice two different episodes and i don't remember who they were with but it would be like describing um, you know, bands and it'd be like not emo bands and then our name would get dropped. Like Hawthorne Heights is not an emo band kind of thing. And I was just like, we know, we know. And so, so yeah, so I reached out and just be like, Hey, we're, we're aware of the bands that came before us, but every time it gets dropped, I think it's so funny because we've, now, this being said, full disclosure, we do have a t-shirt that says emo on it, and it just says emo, and we sell it. And oh, I think I've seen that one. I've totally seen that one. It has nothing on it, and like we didn't bring it on this tour because we brought new designs, but like on Warp Tour last year and you know, pretty much every tour from the time we started printing it, it just like became a thing, and like 
it sells like hotcakes, but it doesn't have our band name on it. So we know we're like kind of capitalizing on the on the on the word, but like we don't we don't think we're an emo band. Like I don't even know what kind of we're a rock and roll band. I mean, that's so vague, but I mean we're you know, we're not a hardcore band by far. We're not a pop punk band, but we're definitely a rock band. Um and you know, JT is writing lyrics that are very like personal to him or like um, you know, things that he feels strongly about. So, I mean, if you say that if you're writing from a place of emotion, is your band emotional? Like, is you, are you an emo band? Like, that's everybody. So we don't stray from it, but we also don't claim it either. So you're just profiting from it. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Not on this tour. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, Chris. So... <laughs> Talk about the new record, Bad Frequencies. Uh, it came out uh, April 27th, uh, Pure Noise Records. Um, it's cool. It's, it's uh, something we worked on for about a year and a half. Uh, we, we've been touring. I mean, when people are like, oh, I haven't seen your band in like you know 10 years. I'm like, we tour all the time. I think we did 172 shows last year. So in like the downtime, um, just any moment that they had like – you know, JT said he wrote a lot of lyrics on Warp Tour, like just kind of waiting to go on stage or whatever. Like that's where he wrote a lot. Like any time he would take a vacation or just go to the beach, like that was kind of like our just chill. And like he would write lyrics. And Mark and Matt, our guitar player and bass player, they were just always working on songs when we came home. So we had like a little lull between two tours. I'm like, okay, we have to go to the studio right now. We have to make this happen. We have to record. And at the time, we didn't have a label. We didn't know what we were going to do. Um, we recorded the record and sent it off to start getting mixes. And then Pure Noise, like our singer JT, had reached out to Jake and was like, hey, we really want to you know, be on your label. And here's our record. You know, would you put it out? And it's been great so far. Like that is our first, first release with them. Uh, we have so many friends on that label, like that we've toured with and just like our musical friends are on that label. So it was the label that we wanted to sign with. And it's, it's cool to like have a new record out. And for me, this is the second release that the band's done that I'm on. So, you know, for me, it's like, Oh cool. I get to be on this record and, I get, you know, I put the work into it and now I get to like do the work for the record. You know, I get to go out and tour on it and that's really exciting for, for me specifically. That's great. I think the, you know, part of the, I loved that about, you know, you were full on this record and, and then also for the label side to know that you guys are doing that many dates a year, they know that you guys are going to work it. Yeah. Yeah. That was the thing. They were like, well, you guys have been touring constantly without a label, without a new release, like it makes sense. You come, you're coming off a warp tour. You have all these festivals coming up this year. Like, yeah, let's do it. And yeah, it's been, it's been great. And I listened to the record cause we just, well, I can't say what we just did. Well, we shot, we shot a video. We have, cool. we, we, so we shot another video, but when we were going out to LA, we were like, Oh, we don't know the song. We recorded it. We've never played it. So listening to that song the night before we went to you know do the first day of shooting, I put it on and I believe it's the second or third song on the record and I just let the record play 
and I haven't done that for probably two or three months. And like, I love it when, and, and I wouldn't, I, I would hate it if it was any other way, right? I'm like, I like all of these songs a lot. Like there's something about every song that I'm like, that part's really cool. Like that harmony is great. Like that guitar thing is awesome. So, I mean, you have to be proud of your work. And if you're not, I feel like you might be doing it for the wrong reason. And we're all suit. Like we were stoked on the record. The fact that pure noise, uh, you know, wanted to put it out is just a bonus for us. So we couldn't be happier and, and more thankful for, you know, them to take the time for us. I'm in my mid forties and I'm getting to like go to places that, you know, I'm, I've, I will now have gone to all 50 States. So that's such a cool thing. Like music's so great. Like the fact that I get to like just play drums and travel fantastic thanks emo t-shirts <laughs> <laughs> actually thanks, thanks ohio's for lovers exactly thank yeah. you Ohio's for lovers <laughs> hey man however you get it that's the kicker <laughs> chris thanks for the time i'm so stoked you oh. did this uh to tell everyone i said what's up and uh even though they don't know who i am um <laughs> uh and then uh, again next time you come through new york whenever that is we will meet personally Absolutely, which will be this year. Oh, fuck yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, I'll, keep, I'll keep you posted. All right, cool. Thanks, right. Chris. Safe travels. No worries. Thank you so much. All right, man. Bye. Bye. Hello, Washed Up Emo fans. Thank you for listening to this podcast over the last nine plus years. Or if it's your first time, welcome. It has flown by, and I appreciate each and every one of you for listening. And for this current episode you're about to hear, I do have a favor of you. I have some books out right now called Anthology of Emo, and Volume 2 was released last fall. I really think you'll dig it if you haven't heard of them. It features guests from the podcast, including Jim Atkins from Jimmy World, Chris Conley from Saves the Day, Travis Shettle from Piebald, and John Bunch from Sensefield. I've also reprinted Volume 1 so you can order both. Check out the DIY publishing at anthologyofemo.com.